Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership Podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership Podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show today. Today, we're going to hear from Samuel Bolin, who is the executive director at the Jackson Leadership Foundation. He leads one of the 42 different leadership foundations in the world. On the Leadership Foundation's main website, they say, great leaders are the foundations of great cities. We develop leaders who drive the wheel of change in their cities. To listen to and discuss the interview with Samuel this week are my friends and fellow leaders, Cody Coleman, Kelsey Broom, and Michelle Mahalko. Welcome to the show today. Oh, thanks for Thank having you. me. Thank it's, you. It's good to be here. Before we get into the discussion and interview today, I want to share a five-star review for the podcast. Jotastic says, clear, helpful leadership insight. I was able to get some immediate takeaways from my own leadership and some nuggets to share with others. Definitely subscribed. Can't wait to hear more insight from the leaders on this podcast. Thank you, Jotastic, for the review and for sharing. So the question I want to start off today is based on the fact that the Leadership Foundation is all about influencing cities. What is an experience that you've had in a city that was really good for whatever reason? Michelle? Um, I have a really cool experience. When I was younger, um, I've actually been to Israel twice, but on one of those trips, we were in Jerusalem and we had special access to go on the Temple Mount um, where the mosque is. That was really cool because the Muslims there, they keep that as like sacred area for themselves. So the fact that we were able to have permission to go there and experience that, I thought that was super cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Kelsey? My husband and I actually got the opportunity to live abroad in Christchurch, New Zealand. And when we were there, we took a camping trip around the South Island. And uh, the best and coolest city that we went to was called Queenstown, New Zealand. And it's actually the adventure capital of the world. That's where bungee jumping was invented. Awesome. So needless to say, that was a very, very cool experience being in a, a, an adventure city. Yeah, absolutely. Did you bungee jump? <sighs> no. We hang glided. I don't know if that's, no, that's the proper cool. past tense, but. But it's awesome. If we did so that, it doesn't yeah. Matter. Cody, how about you? Um, yeah, so I have not been to a whole lot of cities. I'm actually from a really, really small town. So. Actually, when I moved down to Jackson, I guess it's probably been a couple years in, I started meeting a bunch of really cool people. And in that, I found the pro-life vigil, which was super cool to be able to go to, to see an entire city full of people come together Mm. to be a part of a movement, which, you know, coming from a super small town, you don't get to see that very often. Yeah. So being a part of that and and being there and and being able to be in it was was a really, really cool experience. And I'm I'm really excited about that. Hmm. Well, the Leadership Foundation is all about influencing whatever city it's in. And today we get the opportunity to hear from Samuel Bolin, who is the executive director of the Leadership Foundation in Jackson, Mississippi. 
Samuel's life passion is to connect the church across cultural, socioeconomic, and geographical lines. He has more than 10 years of ministry experience among under-resourced communities and currently serves as the executive director of the Jackson Leadership Foundation. The Jackson Leadership Foundation works to provide resources and services that ministry leaders need to develop as leaders and grow their organizations. Through the Jackson Leadership Foundation, Samuel's goal is to help people find out how they can make a difference in Jackson's inner city communities. So here is Samuel. Samuel, welcome to the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I wanted to start off this podcast by hearing from you a little bit about the Jackson Leadership Foundation. Just give us a quick overview of what you do and what you're about. Sure, yeah. So we work off the premise of the Jackson Leadership Foundation that if our under-resourced communities in Jackson are going to transform spiritually and economically, then the leaders within those communities must be empowered to lead the way in that change. And so we at the Jackson Leadership Foundation exist to help these leaders grow as leaders and then grow their ministries. Uh, We do this by providing capacity building services for our inner city ministry leaders. These services include one-on-one coaching, classroom training, back office support such as accounting, legal, and grant writing, all of the services our ministry leaders need really to uh, grow as leaders and and grow their ministries. We want to get down into the weeds with them. And then lastly, we we also want to facilitate transformation by connecting um, Christians and other people of good faith and goodwill in our metro area with our ministry partners within the city. Uh, So we provide networking support to our inner city ministry partners by networking them with folks in our resource community in Jackson who want to use their time, their talent, or their treasure to be a part of what God's doing in the city. And so that's really who we are. So talk a little bit more about that that connecting nature of the Leadership Foundation. You talked about the ministries and the resource communities. Who, who are the people that we're talking about in the city that kind of make up these different areas of, of interest for the Leadership Foundation? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Really, I look at two components when we think about the Jackson metro area as a whole. When we look at our under-resourced communities, which is really our target. I mean, this is these are the communities that we want to serve and see the needle moved in these communities. We, we do have our grassroots leaders in those communities, our, uh, particularly our Christian leaders in those communities who are running ministries, who are called by God, sure. um, who have a vision, who have a dream. Um, and we want to come alongside of them and we want to help them and assist them and serve them and partner with them. But the second group, like I mentioned earlier, is this large swath of people who are in our resource communities in the metro area and who want to make a difference but just don't know how to do it. Um, I oftentimes say I I know, similar to my story, that we have many people in our metro area who watch the news at night. They see the plight of the uh, under-resourced in our city, and they read their Bible, especially Christians. They read their Bible, and they want to make a difference, but they just don't know how to do it. So as a result, they end up on the sidelines. And we know especially that God's called us not to be on the sidelines when it comes to caring for the disenfranchised. 
And we want to be at Jackson Leadership Foundation, a place where people in our resource communities can call and say, I'm ready to get off the sidelines. I want to make a difference. I don't know how to do it. Please show me. This is the time. This is the talent I have. This is the treasure I can offer. Can you please show me some places where I can serve? And we're already working with grassroots ministry leaders in the city. And so we can say, absolutely. I I got an email today from a teacher at a local private school who said, my fifth grade class wants to get engaged. We just don't know where to begin. Can you help us? Absolutely. Let us show you some of our partners. Let us talk through what is your time, what is your talent, what is your treasure, and let us get you engaged in what's going on. That's so great. I want to get to your story and a little bit more about Jackson and why it's a good fit for the Leadership Foundation in just a minute. But first of all, the Leadership Foundation is not just something that's unique to this city. It's really a a global network. So could you speak a little bit about the Leadership Foundation as a whole and how the foundation is connected with other cities around the world? Uh, The sneak peek of the story is I had this this burden on my heart to provide more in-depth services to our inner city ministry leaders years ago. I did not know that there was a model out there that existed that did this very thing that was on my heart. And so I spoke to a mentor of mine and I expressed my desire to see our ministry served in an even greater capacity. And he pointed me toward the Leadership Foundation Network. There are 42 leadership foundations all over the globe. The closest one to Jackson, Mississippi is in Memphis, Tennessee. And I was able to go see what they're doing and was absolutely amazed at the work they've been able to facilitate the transformation in the city. But the premise of the Leadership Foundation Network and these 42 leadership foundations uh, is simply that we want to come alongside and empower the leaders within our city's under-resourced communities to give them the uh, equipping the network and access to resources that they need to thrive. And we're a Christian organization. Um, we're open to working as a network. We're open to working with what we call people of good faith and goodwill. It's primarily in the South we can we can work with almost totally Christians and be okay, but the sure. Leadership Foundation in India – is is very little Christians over there, and so we we are looking to work with anybody who's wants to serve the city. But that's our leadership foundation network. So we have all these different cities around the world, um, different countries. India is one that you mentioned. Why is the leadership foundation a good fit for Jackson, Mississippi? I worked for the past five years in a local church in the suburbs of Jackson. It was a large church, and my role, my primary role there, was local missions pastor. So my job was to connect our people and our resources to ministry partners within the city. This was going really well for some time, and it, and it still would have been would have been going really well if I was still there in the sense of we were sending teams to go rake yards and get engaged with ministries by exposing them through basic volunteer projects. Yeah. We were also sending a little bit of money, but I noticed the ministries we were serving weren't necessarily growing they were still finding themselves barely maintaining month to month. And when I would ask the leaders, what is the vision God has given you? You're doing good work. Tell me more about it. They would describe something very far off that that they're not experiencing in the present. And I noticed there was a disconnect between what they wanted to do and what they were currently doing. And so I often say, 
our leaders were doing good work. We want them to do great work. Our leaders were serving the city, but we want them to achieve their vision. We want them to thrive. And I noticed that in order to make that happen, our ministries did not need just more volunteer teams and more a little bit of donations here and there. While those are good, the primary need was for somebody, some group to go deeper with them and provide the capacity building services they needed to take their ministry hat off. And I got to find a better way to say this, but take their ministry hat off and put the executive director hat on and begin to lead the organization through the change needed to achieve their vision. And so someone I felt needed to come alongside of them to provide those services as well as help them network with the right people and get access to the resources they need. And to me, Jackson was desperately missing that. And I feel like this model that Jackson Leadership Foundation brings is is a new paradigm to serving the city in this in-depth way um, that is complementary to what we've already been doing, which is sending the volunteer teams to to you know do basic cleanup work and and yeah, provide yeah. a little bit of funds, which all of that is good. But once again, we need to complement that by having this service over here that goes deeper. Sure. So first of all. This is really exciting because uh, although the Leadership Foundation has been around, I believe, uh, for more than 40 years as a global organization, the Jackson Leadership Foundation was started in the fall of 2018. So this is totally new, and it's really exciting to see it developing. One of the things I'm wondering about is what does it look like? You talked about the importance of executive leadership for people in ministries. Let's say someone comes to you from a ministry that's trying to do good work, how do you help them to begin thinking like an executive and have the skill sets they need to really take their organization to the next level? I think first we have to establish trust. They have to know that we're here to serve you and to help your visions come to reality, not just your vision, but the vision God has given you become a reality. And when you establish that trust, then we can begin to take a good, honest look at is is the time that the leader is spending week in and week out helping to move the organization in the direction that they want the organization to yeah. go. Um, once we take that good, honest look and we know that we're in it for the same goal, we can really begin to say, okay, are we prioritizing our task? Are we focusing in the way we need to focus? Are we delegating appropriately? And and once again, it's it's bringing them into this narrative of, we love what you're doing, you're loving well, you're serving well, and we know how hard it is. We need to help you take yourself to the next level as a leader in terms of thinking through what needs to happen behind the scenes outside of the one-on-one work you're doing with your program participants, what back office and behind-the-scenes work needs to happen, administrative, networking, all of those things, planning, strategic planning, to get you to the next level. And it's just helping um, them take a deeper dive into reviewing, okay, what do I need to do as a leader to see this organization grow to where God's called it to grow? Yeah. And you yourself had leaders and mentors come alongside you to kind of even let you know about the Leadership Foundation, but could you talk a little bit about how leaders influence your own journey towards becoming the executive director of the Leadership Foundation? Yes. In, in my last church, I was put on a, a, a fast learning curve. Um, I was fortunate to work with a lot of people who 
were really strong leaders and just were driven. They were hungry. They wanted to learn. They wanted to read the latest material and watch the latest video or listen to the latest podcast. And we were working at a large church, so you could not get by just by flying by the seat of your pants. Yeah. You quickly were going to find yourself failing and failing miserably. And I had a lot of those, I had a few of those experiences. So for me, coworkers and my, my, I guess you could say direct boss at the time were so helpful for me to think through how, how do I operate as a leader in an environment that calls for high demand? And in addition to that, outside of the working environment, surrounding myself with, with a few seasoned mentors who I could spend some time with and bounce ideas off of and allow them to give me feedback. And that was incredibly helpful for me. So how did you find out about the Leadership Foundation in the first place? Yeah. So one of my mentors is a guy named Dr. John Perkins. He's just an incredible guy and a figurehead when it comes to the inner city ministry movement across our country and maybe even our world. But he lives in Jackson, and he's been a mentor of mine for for the past five or six years. And he and I, Dr. John Perkins and I, were having breakfast in West Jackson, McDonald's on Highway 80. And I remember telling him, Dr. Perkins, there's got to be a better way to serve our inner city ministries than what we're currently doing. I explained a story that I've previously already said of I'm sending volunteer teams, I'm sending a little bit of money, but our Mm -hmm. ministries are not growing. And this is the hope. These are the missionaries for our city. There's got to be a better way to serve them. And one other thing I told him at the time was I have all of these people in my church who are ready to save the city. I mean, they want to be a part of making a difference. And I don't feel like I'm using them to to the best of my ability. And he said, I need to take you to Memphis to see a guy, which ultimately led to the trip to go see the Memphis Leadership Foundation. So since then, you started up the Jackson Leadership Foundation. What has the startup process looked like? Because I I know there are a number of people, even if they're not looking to start up a a leadership foundation or a ministry, they're thinking about starting up a, a small business in the future, some sort of venture. What's it look like for you? What have been some things you've learned along the way? Yeah, um, I I think starting a nonprofit is is in very many ways similar to starting a small business. I, to me, I use the term social entrepreneurship. You have to do your market research. You have to, ahead of time, begin to look at the environment around you and say, is there a niche in the market for this? Or is there a void in the market for this? Does, does my product, if that's what we want to call it, does it fit? You have to surround yourself with the right people and you have to have honestly, that initial investment to get you off the ground. Uh, and, and I did not know any of this at the time. And this was by no means done perfectly. But I think other than just this prayerful calling we had on our hearts, we had an awareness that this absolutely was something that would work. Um, we had arguably done decades of market research because our team was a team of people who had been involved in this type of ministry to the city. And so they knew what was being done and what was not being done. That's incredibly helpful to have that it type was of insight, right? Super helpful. And yeah. so we, we formed a, we did the basic thing myself and uh, David Harden at Pine Lake uh, Church and in, in our metro area. He had a similar job as me at the time. And he and I got together a steering team and told the team, hey, here's the vision. We think this could work. Would you guys be willing to help us get this off the ground? And we did that for about six or eight months and got to the point where we said, okay, 
we've we've done the groundwork we've got this we've got the paperwork filed we've had a few uh informal informational meetings with some leaders around town we think this thing has potential to have momentum we think though we need to hire a staff person if this thing's going to go any further than where it is currently and i came on board at that time looking back on it i would not advise somebody to come on board as quickly as i would because we didn't have all our money in the bank, I guess. Sure, but we, sure. we stepped out on faith saying, okay, we've got enough money to cover us for half a year. I think if we can put six months of, of going hard at this, this could turn into something. So since then, it's been about, what, six or seven months. What have the the days after the initial startup look like now that you've been in business, so to speak, for a few months? Yeah. So the first two or three months was really the end of the year last year. And we knew we needed to spend a lot of that time just casting the vision and raising enough funds to basically cover us for the next 12 months. And it was fundraising season at the time anyway. But we were essentially going to people saying, this is on our hearts. We, we've got data to back this up. We have a network and a model that's proven. Would you be willing to seed uh, this idea to make it a reality in Jackson and be a part of the mission of what this could be? We've we've seen that happen, and now we're into the new year. We've had some early wins, like you mentioned, with our partners that we're serving. We've seen them grow and the amount of board members they have and the amount of volunteers that are coming on board with them. They have a plan. They have a direction. We have some wins that we can show, some data that we can show. Now we're taking some time as a team to pray through what are the next three to five years look like. Can we essentially develop a business plan we, we have a good understanding of what we're doing now. We've had some months of experience. We understand probably about what the cost is going to be. And as we continue to grow, what the cost we, we think will be. Uh, so we're in the process now of even putting together a three- to five-year plan. So we're turning back around going, okay, we, we were informally doing this for about three to six months. Now we're time, it's time to get, get very formal and, and get this thing going to an even greater degree. Absolutely. So as – a young executive director of a new organization, what would be some tips that you give to people who are looking to start something up the next few years? Maybe encouragement or cautionary tales, depending on what your experiences have been so far. So I'm a, I'm a visionary. I, I'm a passionate guy. I, I want to see change. And I'm, I'm, I like to say I'm willing to do what it takes to, to see the change happen, but yeah. probably only to a degree. But one caution I would give people is to stop and, and really take some time to do the preliminary groundwork before you jump into anything. Okay. Even even being willing to say, I've got this idea, but maybe I need to spend even a few years working in that field if I'm not already to continue to learn more about that field and to survey the landscape to see if this idea really will work. Because at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong. And in fact, it's healthy. Instead of doing the idea, if you find somebody doing it better, just join their team. Now, it might be your personality where you have to be your own boss and one day you can launch out. But I would say take a lot of time and do the preliminary work necessary to make this thing healthy when it's time to start. Where do you see the Jackson Leadership Foundation in the next five or 10 years? You kind of talked about now you're starting to think that way. Yeah. What do you see as far as uh, where the organization will be and the impact it can have on the Jackson community? Yeah, we're currently providing 
capacity building services to three ministries in Jackson's under-resourced communities or what we call around here our inner city communities. I see that expanding. I would love in 5, 10, 20 years from now uh, for all of us to drive through Jackson's under-resourced communities and see ministries on every corner that are thriving, that are run by well-equipped, well-networked, and well-resourced ministry leaders. I also would love to see 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, people in our resource communities who at one time were on the sidelines but are now, because of the Jackson Leadership Foundation's help, engage in our ministries in the inner city using their time, talent, or their treasure to be a part of what God is doing. I'd love to be able to say literally thousands of people have gotten off the sidelines to be a part of what God's doing. I love that vision because you're taking people from all different parts of society and really bringing the city together and creating change that lasts for a long time. Yeah, thank you. Well, Samuel, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Before you go, I have a few final questions that are meant to inspire us toward better leadership. So you ready for this? Yeah. All right. What's some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? Uh, experience, um, my, I guess you could call in the Christian world, the, the word calling. Uh, back in college, uh, when I was initially beginning to work with families from low-income communities and seeing the struggle that they went through, and um, that has always been the driving factor for me is how can we best provide the spiritual and physical care for families in those situations. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? A servant, self-aware, and motivated. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? I love the question, and what else? I've heard it say the all question, A-W, and what else? This, this is a forcing the leader to always be learning, to always be depending upon others, and always be self-evaluating um, by leaning on others to give good critique and feedback. Do you have a good example of a time when you asked, and what else? Every single day. Every I, single day. <laughs> every sing, I, no, Just I'm follow me kidding. around for a minute. Yeah, I, I'm on the phone all the time um, calling people, asking, what do you think about this? Tell me more. Give me feedback. Help me understand this better. And as we're working with our leaders, when we say, what's going on? What's on your mind? They might share a little bit, but when you say, and what else, all of a sudden it draws out from within within them a deeper answer than what you initially got. So that's, to me, a golden question. I like that. What book would you recommend to leaders? A leadership book that honestly has been a big influence for me lately is the book Story Brand by Donald Miller. It's a simple book about how to communicate what you're doing uh, in a way that positions you as a servant to what he would say your customers and he he positions it in a way that says to make your customer the hero and draw them into the story through the product you have but story brand is an incredible book if you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader what would it be time management absolutely we only have so many hours in the day and sometimes we find ourselves just just going through the day lackadaisically without organization and if anything for me, it, it's time management. Any tips for time management? Start in the mornings, use a journal, write out your goals, write out your weekly goals, and write out your quarterly goals, and wash, rinse, and repeat over and over again. And, and unless we're doing that, we, we lose sight. There's too many distractions in our world. 
Do you find yourself at a certain time of the week or a certain day of the week uh, doing the weekly goals or does it just kind of depend on the week? Sunday is when I do my weekly goals. I do my quarterly goals just once a quarter. And as I'm, as I'm doing my weekly goals, I'll rewrite my quarterly goals and give an update on where I am towards that. A basic one is exercise. You know, what are my exercise goals? It's easy to keep track of that. And then daily in the morning, I want to revisit my weekly goals and check, okay, where am I on those? Um, what daily habits do I want to have in line with those goals? But I, absolutely, time management is key. Now we have our final arbitrary but insightful question, which is, as a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? I think it's harder to ask why not, but it's better to ask why not. I think fear of failure is a greater impediment to leadership than failure itself. Mm. And if we're asking why not, that means that we're immediately saying it's okay if we fail because it's worth it. Well, Samuel, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Before we finish, where can people go to learn more about your work and the Leadership Foundation? Our website is www.jacksonleadershipfoundation.org. Awesome. Thank you so much, Samuel. Thank you. I hope you found today's interview valuable. We'll be back on Friday to discuss the interview and share some of our key takeaways with you. If you want to share your own thoughts on what you heard today or leave other feedback for the show, email us at community at lifeasleadership.com. And if you think today's show could be helpful to someone else who cares about becoming a better leader, go ahead and share it with them. Until next time, keep living and leading well. Thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. 
If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now, or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading wealth.